the first podcast of the hive mind and i'm so thankful that tuning in to listen to us talk but before we begin i always like to open up with a word of prayer so let us pray dear heavenly father we thank you for this opportunity to talk about spiritual things to just have a conversation so that we can better help people to know who you are to help them to feel at ease we're talking about you and talking about the word of god so we ask the holy spirit to be with us to guide this conversation to give us more wisdom and understanding and to help us to come closer to you this is my prayer in the name of jesus i pray amen so like i said this is the first podcast entitled the hive mind and my first guest is my mom say hi to the people mom well hello everyone the reason why I chose the name The Hive Mind for this podcast is because when you look at the definition for the word hive, it says a notional entity consisting of a large number of people who share their knowledge or opinions with one another, regarded as producing either uncritical conformity or collective intelligence. And I know that's a, that's a whole bunch of words and what does that have to do with what we're trying here to do? Well, the actual topic that we're going to talk about today has to do with knowledge. And when you look at the definition of the hive mind, I broke it apart and put it back together in something that's going to make sense. People who share their knowledge or opinions with one another, plain and simple. And when you look at the example of a beehive what you find there are bees they're all working in unisons for one goal which is to provide food for the colony for the queen and also to produce honey well what we're trying to do is talk about the word of god to give people a knowledge of the word of god in a relaxed state so that they could feel comfortable about speaking about the word of god so what do you say mom does that make sense to you yes it does Paul says that we have to esteem each other better than ourselves. And also, if we have the love of God within us, we would want to share the knowledge that comes from God with others. The knowledge that we have, we would want to share it with others if we are his children. Because God is love and we are not separate or by ourselves. We are together in Christ. So the knowledge that we have have of him we would want to share it with others thanks for sharing that knowledge mom and i like the point when you brought up that we as god's children should be able to share our knowledge of god with other people who do not know him when you think about what's happening in the world today there's so much separateness that's going on and you have to be in this camp or in that camp but that's not what the word of god is asking us to do the knowledge that we have of the Word of God didn't just come automatically. It took years of trial and error, failures and success. And people who are trying to know God for the first time, they could benefit from our examples, from our mistakes. But if we don't make the effort to share that knowledge with them, they're going to stumble. And the whole point of the hive mind is to be able to share our experiences from a biblical standpoint and also let people know that it's okay to talk about what God is doing in your life. Because so often people might feel, I wouldn't say ashamed, but nervous about how do I share this knowledge. Well, that's right. That's a good point when you say, can I even share this knowledge? Some people might not want to share the knowledge, not because it's not worth sharing, but because they're afraid to share it. And so we have to make them feel at ease that you can talk to me. We're supposed to, once we know Christ and we have his word hidden in our hearts, 
we should be willing as his followers to share. That's how we get our knowledge because someone else shared it with us. Mm -hmm. And so now we are supposed to share it with someone else. I like the point that you made, Mom, about feeling comfortable. That's the whole point is within the hive mind, the bees feel comfortable around each other. Nobody's fighting about what they should be doing. They all have a job to do. They're working together to accomplish that. And they are having fun doing it. They're enjoying each other's company because we're talking about sharing the word of God too. So we have to bring scripture into this. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 3 to 6, Paul says, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Verse 4, there is one body and one spirit, even as ye are called in one hope of your calling. This is the reason why I started this podcast, is for us to come in the unity. And we're going to talk about the unity moving forward. But in order to, for us to really consider ourselves God's children, we have to be united under Him. And one of the essential themes of that unity is the Spirit of God. Because in verse 4 it says, there is one body and one Spirit. Often we talk about Christ, but we don't talk about the Spirit. The Spirit helps brings us together because the day of Pentecost, it was the Spirit that moved upon the disciples, that gave them the ability to speak in a different language, the, the Holy Spirit allowed everybody to hear the message of the gospel in their own language. So when they were in that room together, everybody was unified in that message and in the acceptance of Christ yes. as their Savior. Yes, one body. They were all united in one, as one, because one Spirit was going to rule in all of them. In Galatians 5, it says, and the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. It has to, all of these are in one fruit. Yes. The, and that is the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit. So if we are going to be of one mind, which is of Christ, we have to be as one. That's right. Right. And that's what it means to have the hive mind. Go back and look at the bees. They're all working together. They have that one purpose. And when you when we think about the, the Holy Spirit and Jesus, they were all in one. The Father is all in one. When we are looking at the Christian walk, where are we walking to? Who are we walking to? What are we walking for? And other people around us, are they coming into something that is going to bring them, like you said, peace, love, joy, and happiness? When you go to a church, you should be able to go there and find the same thing that you're reading in the Word of God. It should, there should be that connected tissue. There shouldn't be that disunity between what you're reading and studying versus what they're preaching and saying in the church. In Ephesians chapter 4, in verse 5 and 6, it says, One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. I like especially what verse 68 is saying is that God is in charge of everything. So it's not what I'm saying, it's not what mom is saying, it should be what God is saying. It should be whatever unity that I am looking to have in my life, it should be centered around what God says and what He has in store for us all. Because He says, who is above all and through you all and in you all, meaning that He's in control of everything. Yes, and we notice that is one is God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. And so therefore, even though it might be a lot of us, we have to all come into that oneness. Yeah. Just like the Godhead, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, they are three, mm -hmm. but they are one in purpose, one in character. And so we have to 
even though we are, it's a lot of us, we have to be all in that oneness. And stop right there, mom, because I don't want you to want to miss that point, where is that you talk about having one purpose. We can't all say that we are children of God, and yet still we are scattered here doing this and doing that, and our opposition to each other. How can we say that we are children of God? And like you always said in Romans chapter 8, we have to be first be led by the Spirit to be called sons and daughters of God. And if you're led by the Spirit, then we're doing what the Spirit would have us to do that falls under the works of Christ. I'm talking about is the unity of it all. Are we looking to be unified under the banner of Christ, doing the works of Christ? So, when we're talking about the hive mind, Christ, through the Holy Spirit, has to be able to control our mind. Not really control what we do per se, that we are not... Not robots. Yes. But guidance. And guidance. Guide, guide giving us guidance. But the same guidance that the Holy Spirit gives you, it would be the same guidance that I would get. Yes, because of that oneness. That's right. Because what Paul says in verse 4, there is one body and one spirit, right? Yes. Then in verse 5, he says, one Lord and one faith. If the spirit is one, Christ is one, Baptism is one. Why is it that we have many faith? Where right here in Ephesians, he said there's only one faith. You see? Yes. And then that's, that's saying that we don't have the mind of Christ. We're not unified in Christ. Because if you are unified in Christ, we would have his mind and his mind alone. We will all have the same mind. That's what it means to have the hive mind. is to have one purpose, one desire, one work, one outcome not five different outcomes. Every bee that leaves the hive, leave with one purpose and one purpose only, to gather materials to come back to build up the hive and to make it flourish, right? Yes. So we that are students of the Word of God, we should be able to go out there with one purpose, which is to come into the unity of the faith and not have so many different messages. Yes, and when we go out, our message would not be different from somebody else's. That's right. That's how this, the, the Godhead works in unison, and it works perfectly well, because even though there are three different individuals, they work together in purpose, in mind, in character. They are yeah. one. The hive mind slash understanding or having knowledge of the Word of God. Because if we have the correct knowledge of the Word of God, we can distribute that knowledge and someone else could take it up and distribute that knowledge too. So that distance away from the original knowledge, when it comes together and we compare it, we all have the same thing. We're not always speaking different things. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 13 and 14, beginning of verse 13, it says, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the statue of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. So when you read that, Mom, what first thing comes to your mind? that we should all be in unity. We should have unity till we all come in the unity of faith, the oneness. I go back to that word because we all should be of one faith, one mind, originate from Christ, and one knowledge of the Son of God. Because until then, we cannot come to the measure of the statue of the fullness of Christ. If we don't have one purpose, one mind, one character like the Godhead, 
we are not going to be able to reach the fullness of Christ. And that's where we are headed to, the fullness of Christ. So let me ask you this, Mom, after reading that from what it says in Ephesians. So the reason why there is so much disunity in the faith and of the faith, can you be traced back to the fact is that we do not have the knowledge of the Son of God? not the fullness. We could have some measure of the knowledge of Christ. We have some knowledge, but we don't have the full knowledge of Christ that we be no more children tossed to and fro. We don't have that oneness. So that's why we are tossed to and fro in our knowledge, in the way we perceive Christ. We have been tossed to and fro because we don't have that oneness and the fullness of Christ, the knowledge of that oneness in Christ. So the knowledge that we have is not being measured up to the knowledge of Christ. Because like no. Paul verse 14 points out that till we all come. Till we all come. So right now it could be that we have we, not arrived. We have not arrived because of the slightness of man and the cunning craftiness that's deceiving us. So we accept in knowledge of man versus the knowledge of the Son of Man, which is Christ Jesus. And thereby we have not grown up, we're still children. If we have the full knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, then we would measure up to the statue and the fullness of Christ. Yes. But because we are lacking in that, we don't have the unity of the faith, we are still children, tossed to, tossed and, to and fro. We are not measuring things according to the Word of God, according to the knowledge of God. We are accepting things that are nothing but just like Paul says in verse 14. It's like the wind. One minute it's here, next minute it's there. It's changing. We might have a gust of wind or we might have a light breeze, but it's never consistent. And so he's encouraging us to come into the fullness of Christ. Don't be out there being tossed about with all these things. Paul is admonishing us to be no more children tossed to and fro, but try to come to the knowledge yeah. of the fullness of Christ. Because when you look at Romans 15 verse 6, and we're here trying to understand what it means to come into the unity of Christ, having one mind. Verse 6 says that ye may with one mind and one mouth glorify God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Yet again, he's talking about having that oneness. The but one why would he say, he's saying here that ye may be with one mind and one mouth glorify God. We all have one mouth and that Paul knows. Mm -hmm. So why he is stressing here, one mind and one mouth glorify God. Because he knows that our mouth, out of it can come blessing as it can come cursing. One time we could be saying one thing with one mind, but the same mouth is not testifying to the glory of God according to the knowledge that we have in Christ. We, we, well, or we should have. Well, if you look at Ephesians 4, verse 14, I think it helps explain Romans 15, 16, when you talk about the one mind. Let's look at the one mind thing, where Paul here is saying, and carried about with every wind of doctrine, right? Mm -hmm. So there's like all these doctrines that's running around, they're filling up your mind. By the slight of men, meaning the trickery of men, and their cunning craftiness, the deceptions that they might use to get you to believe one thing. So Paul, I think here is trying to admonish us, is that to do away from all those things because they're cluttering up your mind. They're filling you with so many different things, so many different ideas, so many misconceptions of what it is to be a child of God. And then he's saying, get back to the scripture, get back to the spirit. 
the thing about the Word of God is that it points back to God. Yes. It does not point to man. And we have a lot of doctrines that point to man. The worship of man, the adoration of man, the following of man. You know, if you look at social media, when they want you to, and I want to use the word, but I don't want to use it yet, but I have to use it. Follow them. They say, follow, subscribe, do all these other things. So they want you to specifically always be in their corner. And that's how they make their money. That's how they have the influence because they have all these people that have eyes on what they're doing. But what Paul here is saying to us is that there's only one person that we really should follow which is the Lord Jesus Christ. The leading that should lead us to Christ should come from the Spirit because there's only one Spirit. Yes, we could aid in that work by helping people understand certain things and being used by God, but in the end, it is God and God alone. And in this world, there's so much distraction that's cluttering that the mind that you can't even think straight. That's why I said the first topic that we're discussing about the hive mind has to do with knowledge, and but that knowledge comes in the unity of Christ through the guidance of the Holy Spirit that points us to the Father. I don't know if that really makes sense to you. Yes, I'm looking at Romans 15 and verse 6, that ye may with one mind and one mouth. So whatever knowledge you have of Christ, it must be of Him, so that when you open your mouth to glorify God, that one mouth would glorify God through Christ that is controlling your mind. And that's why I like the name of this podcast, The Hive Mind, so that when you are glorifying God, when I glorify God, it's the one mouth. Even though it's your mouth that's doing it and my mouth that's doing it, because we all have this one mind, what comes out of our mouth mouth is one. It's not completely two things. Philippians 2 verse 5, he said, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. So when we're thinking about the faith and when we're thinking about following God and being children of God, we have to say, first of all, what mind is in me? What am I thinking about? How am I conducting myself? And the ultimate example is Christ. Christ had this mind to always glorify His Father. That's why Christ said, I came to do thy will, O God, that sent me. Christ was all about being obedient to His Father. His thoughts, His mind, everything was about making sure that whatever He did fall in line with the will and the commandments of God. And that's what Paul is admonishing us here to do, that the mind that we have should be the mind of Christ. Let this mind, let His mind, the mind of Christ be in us so that when we open our mouth we glorify no one else but the Lord Jesus Christ because we have his mind in us let this mind his mind be in us so as we open our mouth we glorify our heavenly yeah. father in mind character and personality it really talks about how powerful the mind is and how we don't pay enough attention to it. We don't pay attention to what goes in it and what comes out of it. And the quote goes on to say, it is a law both of the intellectual and the spiritual nature that by beholding we become changed. The mind gradually adapts itself to the subject 
upon which it is allowed to dwell. It becomes assimilated to that which it is accustomed to love and reverence. Mind, Character, and Personality, Volume 1, page 331, paragraph 1. That is relevant to the times that we're living in today because we just had this week when they were talking about social media and all these families that are up in Washington begging for the government to do something about what children are consuming, how there's no checks and balances. So we see that if there is no safeguard to the mind, these apps have no safeguard and these children are allowed to assimilate all these things that are negatively harming them. They're not understanding that they should be safeguard for the mind because towards the end he said it becomes assimilated to that which it is accustomed to love and reverence. So whatever is placed in front of a child, the mind eventually becomes accustomed to it. It loves to have it. And so what here we are being cautioned to do is to adapt those things that is only positive to the mind. That's what I, I like the second sentence there. The mind gradually adapts itself, gradually adapts itself to the subjects upon which it is allowed to dwell. That's where those children are getting into trouble. Their mind is gradually being adapted to these subjects that they're not supposed to be adapting to. Their minds are being assimilated to the minds of those people or those things that they're watching. They're watching. So they are becoming what they are absorbing time and time again. And that goes along with what we're talking about here. Are we gradually allowing ourselves to behold in Christ? The Christ of the Bible. Not the Christ that they're putting out there. Not the Christ that they're using as a way to try to promote social justice issues. That's a whole new different topic. But what I'm saying is that if we really truly know the Christ of the Bible, our minds would be filled with peace, love, and joy. Because that's what Christ came to give us. The peace, not that the world gives us, but what He gives us. And if our minds is, a, is allowed to adapt to the life of Christ, we, and if we study the life of Christ, we would do the works that He did. We would have the relationship to the Father as He did. We would pray as He did. We wouldn't be confused about what we should be doing, how we should be praying, where we should be worshiping, and on the day that we should be worshiping, we wouldn't be confused about all these things because the life of Christ made it clear how we should be living our lives. If we are allowing other people to dictate what we think, then all we're doing is repeating what they want us to repeat, not what the Word of God says. In Mind, Character, and Personality, this is another quote, a very powerful book, that if anybody gets the chance to pick it up, it's a heavy read, but it's worth it, especially in the times that we're living in, because our minds are being targeted so that we think a certain way and act a certain way, which is outside the character of Christ. The quote says, few realize that it is a duty to exercise control over the thoughts and imagination, meaning that we can't let's let our thoughts and imagination run free. And we can't also allow anything to enter our mind without us really scrutinizing it. It is difficult to keep the undisciplined mind fixed upon profitable subjects, but if the thoughts are not properly employed, religion cannot flourish in the soul. Also, the mind must be preoccupied with sacred and eternal things, or it will cherish trifling and superficial thoughts. Both the intellectual and the moral powers must be disciplined, and they will strengthen and improve by exercise. Both the intellectual and the moral powers must be 
disciplined. They are not separate. They should not be separate. And they will improve over time. Mm -hmm. They would be strengthened and improved over time. And that's what we, we need to get our minds in gear. Some of us, we are not to that point yet. But if we gradually ask the Lord to help us keep our minds as this fourth is saying, what our minds dwell on, that's what we will find ourselves doing. And so we have to occupy our minds with sacred and eternal things or else it would cherish trifling and superficial thoughts. And that's what sometimes gets us in trouble, our thinking, what we think. We sit and we think things and then some people who don't have the mind of Christ will act out on these things that they think about. The last part there really emphasizes how important the mind is when he talks about exercise. Because we all know that exercise is good for the body. It helps strengthen your muscles, keeps you more healthier. The doctors always say diet and exercise, diet and exercise, and some people say diet and exercise didn't do for me. But it also depends on the type of diet and the type of exercise that you do. So you can exercise your mind with things, but what are you exercising it with? Is it anything that's really going to benefit you in the end? The only thing that truly really helps the mind grow leaps and bounds is spiritual things, the Word of God, yes. really. By disciplining yourself to study the Word of God every day, it strengthens your moral character. It improves your moral powers. It helps you resist those superficial and trifling thoughts. It helps you discern between what somebody is saying, whether it is actually beneficial to you from a spiritual standpoint or it's going to harm you. Because there's a lot of people out there that sound intelligent, that sound like they know the Word of God, but when you really match it up together, it's not. So we've been talking about discipline in the mind. We talk about exercise in the mind. Another quote that I came across talks about the deception to certain ways. You gotta excuse the noise, that's Comet. Comet the dog trying to find his bone or his ball. And okay, here Comet, here's your ball. Now he's happy because he has his ball. The quote that I came across even though it was written in 1904, I think it is relevant today in the sense that we're talking about the mind and having one mind, being careful what goes into the mind. But she's talking about who's controlling the mind. The quote goes on to say, one great deception that is coming in is what is known as hypnotism. Institutions are being established for the purpose of teaching how to control the minds of men and women. But the mind that has been given up to the control of another mind can never again be as it was before. It has been surrendered. I want you to remember this, for you may be invited to obtain relief from sickness by giving up your mind to be controlled by someone else. But neither he who takes the control of another mind nor he who surrenders his mind to the control of another can ever be in the condition he was before this experience. This is a work that God has never appointed any human being to do for another. Even though in 1904 this was written and he was talking about using hypnotism to relieve people of the sick, we find that even into today, 2024, hypnotism has now been transferred to a tool to be entertained by. But another aspect of our minds being controlled by another person is you look at what we consume, social media. That's the biggest thing out there. It's not just social media. We could just narrow it down to one word and one word only, influence. So many people allowing their minds to be influenced by the actions of other people, by what they say, by what they do. 
what she's saying here is that when you allow somebody to influence you so much that you start to behave like them, talk like them, walk like them, dress like them. But when you look at the aspect of you said, this is a work that God has never appointed any human being to do for another. God never appointed us to give over our mind control to someone else. We have industry that plants in young people's mind that you have to look a certain way, that you have to dress a certain way, and they don't have to explicitly come out and say it. That's why the notion of influencer has popped up. And we're not even sitting down and saying, wait a minute, does that really speak of something that's a positive? A lot of individuals, both young and old, are copying what they see online. And they think that it's funny. They think that it's nothing but just entertainment. But you are consistently logging on to see what that person is doing today so that I can do it. So that I can put it on my social media feed and get somebody else to view it and to do it. The whole point of the Hive Mind podcast is to get us to start thinking about what we're doing and why we're doing it. And then asking us of the question that if we, if we believe in God because this is also geared at people that say that they believe in God then are my actions in line with the Word of God are my actions lining up with the character of Christ do I have the mind of Christ it's not a mind that is controlling us like a robot but it's helping us make right decisions and right choices and being in line with the commandments of God because the one thing about God that does not get enough credit he does not force his will upon us he does not force us to behave in one way or another He gives us the freedom to make the choice whether or not we want to believe in him walk with him and obey him adopt his mindset because we have the word of God we understand what he wants us to do how his mind work he says let this mind be in you Paul says which was also in Christ Jesus I go back and I reiterate that we should strive to have the mind of Christ because by doing so it will eliminate a lot of the pitfalls in life that we fall into because we are dependent upon his mind to lead us and to direct us which is the spirit of God and he would never direct us wrong because he's God and that's what he's there for he created us and he wants us to be to have a mindset of his so that we would end up most times be right doing the right thing getting right results and so God has never appointed somebody else another human being to control our minds because he has set a standard in his word that we should follow and once we get that mindset right we be okay you know and to piggyback off of what you just said mom when Christ came he could have exercised his power to say, believe in me. But he allowed the ancient Israel to reject him. All he did was present the truth in God's word. And that's why this quote that I found in doing the research about the mind and how important it is for us to have the right mind, I like so much. Because the thing is that when you look at this and you say, well, hypnotism. Growing up, you view hypnotism not as if it was a remedy for the sick, but it was just an entertainment. If somebody falls asleep and they wake up and they start cackling like a chicken or they believe that they have ants all over them when there's nothing there. One person is implanting a suggestion in somebody else's mind and then the other person is fulfilling that suggestion at the cost of that individual for our entertainment purposes. What's so wrong about having a little bit of fun? But she points out here that he who takes control of that person's mind is never the same and the person that allows his mind to be controlled is never the same. 
if you break it apart, that person that does the mind control or hypnotism, you're not sure if that person is a kind person. But we know that people that have authority over other people at times abuse that authority. You're really putting yourself in a dangerous situation when you have no control over your mind. We move on to another verse that I love, and that's in Isaiah chapter 1, verse 17 and 18. Learn to do well, seek judgment, relieve the oppressed, judge the fatherless, plead for the widow. Isaiah 17 is saying the kind of attitude, the kind of mindset that we should have, the way that we should be looking after each other. We should have this care. We shouldn't be oppressive. This is our responsibility. Now the Lord in verse 18 is saying, Come now and let us reason together. Say the Lord, Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. You know why I put that there, Mom? No. Because verse 18 always speaks to me about how the religion of Jesus Christ is an intelligent religion. The religion of Christ does not get enough credit as being an intelligent thinking religion. I don't get the impression that people think that intelligent thinking people can be followers of Christ. We always get the stigma of being like sheep. Well, yes, Christ used the analogy of a sheep because if you really study sheep, they are in unison. They're not fighting with each other. They go out there into the field and they're out there peacefully doing what sheep does. And the sheep also trust that the shepherd would never lead them to the wrong path. But they're not stupid. They're very intelligent because if you look at a sheep, they walk in unison. They walk in a path. They know who to trust and who not to trust. If you're not that shepherd, they're not going to listen to you. I go back to verse 18 where it says, Come now, let us reason together. That's God saying here, the Father, speaking to us as His children and saying, Use your mind. I'm using my mind. You use your mind. Let us come together and have an intelligent conversation about this spiritual walk or this salvation that I'm offering to your son or why the world is in the state that it is in and why sin came into this world and what sin is all about. What He's telling His people here, in order for you, to really fully understand who I am, my requirements of you, you have to use your mind. Yes, and he knows also that we can reason because he created us and he created us all with a sense of understanding things. And he said, let us learn to do well. He said in verse 17, let us learn to do well because that we should strive to have the mind of Christ. Then when we have the mind of Christ, he is able to teach us. And as he teaches us, we are able to understand him. So when we understand him, then that's why he's saying, come now and let us reason together because I know you are intelligent because I created you. And so I know you have your level of intelligence that I can reason together with you. The creator of the universe is calling us as human beings to reason why is it? Because he knows us. He created us and he created no stupid being. He created us all with a level of understanding. And that's why he says, let us learn well so that we can reason together. Once we have the mind of Christ within us, we'll be able to reason together. And that's why he calls us in Isaiah 1. And that's why I had you as my first guest on The Hive Mind, because you taught me something here today that I didn't really think about and that I learned. And that's the whole purpose of this podcast, is that we share the knowledge, we talk about the things of God, thereby come to a fuller knowledge. Because you, you mentioned something about how the creator of the universe wants to teach us. I never really thought about that. It was never really presented to me. When you look at our religion, 
religion and our relationship with God. It's about Him teaching us things that we don't know or that we have lost and have no true understanding. God wants to be our ultimate teacher. He wants us to teach us about the character of His Son, how to walk with Him, how to live a moral life, how to think for ourselves. Go to the Word of God with the guidance of the Holy Spirit and ask God to give you the knowledge and wisdom and understanding so that whoever it is can come to me and say, you know, I, I listened to your podcast, I went to the Bible, and I learned something, and I said, yeah, okay, tell me what you learned, and we could talk about it. And we have the same understanding, because why? We have the same teacher. The whole point of this podcast is that we have a knowledge of God. We come into the unity of God. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 16 to 19, let your light so shine before men, that they may see your good works, and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Think not that I am come to destroy the law, or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law, till all be fulfilled. Whosoever therefore shall break one of these least commandments, and shall teach men so, he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whosoever shall do and teach them, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. We are trying to do here is uplift the law of God, uplift the Word of God, and to teach men to do the same thing so that we all can be great. In coming to a close, Jeremiah chapter 9 verse 23 and 24 says this, Thus saith the Lord, Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, neither let the mighty man glory in his might. Let not the rich man glory in his riches, but let him that glory glory in this, that he understand it and know it me, and that I am the Lord which exercise loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, saith the Lord. And I want to thank you, Mom, for bearing with me for Hank and Comet, the dogs that were quiet except for when Comet wanted to go chase after his ball. And for everyone that listened to this podcast, we have a knowledge of God, but we do not have a full knowledge of God. And because that knowledge is incomplete, then we don't fully understand Him nor His will for our life. The thought here in verse 24 where it says, But let him that glorieth glory in this, that he understandeth that we have come to the fullness of the knowledge of Christ, that we can understand and know the Lord, that he understandeth and knoweth me, that I am the Lord. If we get nothing else, let us understand when we glory, let us not glory in ourselves, in our riches or what we have, but just glory in this that we understand and we know the Lord. Because that's very important in life that we know the Lord, we know who He is. And it first have to deal with the fact that we come to the oneness, the fullness of Christ and His mind which dwells within us as His children. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for your Holy Spirit that has been with us. Thank you for being with us here, dear Father, as we try to do your work. We need to all come into the oneness of Christ, but we cannot do it on our own. And so we are asking you, Heavenly Father, to please to be with us as we endeavor to do this, your work, hoping that others would come to the knowledge of the truth that is in your word. Forgive us for our sins and help us to be faithful until you come, so that we can hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant, is my prayer in Jesus' name.